Tuesday Night Podcast, and I'm Alan Girding. This is part of the Holiday Spectacular. That's why you won't be hearing our usual host, SBJ. Sean's not here. He died in a horrific car accident. He underwent lots of surgeries that tried to save his life, but they failed. Ha ha ha. Just kidding. I'm actually really excited because I'm here with Jay Tholen. Say hey, Jay. Hey, Jay. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the reality is, I'm not sure if you ever even heard my voice before. Is this the first time you've ever heard my voice? I've heard your voice on the internet, and I follow two rooms and a boom, so I know I've seen you in videos related to that. But this is the first time we've actually spoken to one another. Yes, I think so. Yeah, we've had lots of chats between one another. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about how I know you. I'll tell the story to begin, and then maybe you can take it from there. Alrighty. Let me take you back. I'm a Kickstarter addict. I'm following all sorts of Kickstarter campaigns, and then I see a video that I could only describe as the best Kickstarter video that I've ever seen in my life. Oh! I'm sorry, I didn't see you there. You caught me indulging in one of my many impressive hobbies. I'm Jay Tholen. I'm a man of many passions. Guitar playing, rock climbing, computers, robots, uh, recording Kickstarter videos. Um, but one of the things I'm most passionate about is making computer games! The story of Dropsy starts in 2008. A choose-your-own adventure made in Microsoft Paint. Posted in a forum where it made a few waves. Dropsy is a clown with unique qualities. He has no hands and he can't really speak. And though he looks scary, he is really very sweet. The hardest human hearts he can gently heal. The loneliest goons he can teach to feel. And with that said, I bring you this appeal. I want to make a game, an adventure of sorts. Guiding old Dropsy through surreal worlds. Laughing and exploring as his story unfurls. <laughs> Adventure games are magic. You can't even hold them. They're just there in the air. <laughs> Adventure games everywhere in this. Now, to be completely honest, there was a Kickstarter for a Dropsy game in October of 2011. I set the minimum goal to $225 for some software and ended up with $1,600. While that was incredible, I severely underestimated what it would cost to do Dropsy justice. Uh, not only was I assuming free labor on the part of a few talented friends, but I neglected to factor time into the equation. And my job and other commitments I've had over the past year have not allowed me to make much progress on Dropsy. Now there has been some, but not enough to get it finished by the end of the year. In fact, in one part of your video, you actually pull out a puppet of a horse that you call Stinky, and it's obviously on your hand, so basically you're talking to your hand. It was amazing. After some careful budgeting, I've come up with the following number. I'm going to need $25,000 to complete the game. 
Now, that sounds like a lot of money. That is a lot of money, Jay. What are you going to do with all that money? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, stinky. I'm going to use it for my living expenses while I work on the game. I'm going to hire a programmer, and I'm going to hire an additional animator to help. Some of that is also going to have to go towards software licensing fees and the fulfillment of the Kickstarter rewards. Rewards? What are those? I'll tell ya, Stinky. Rewards are what you get if you help us. And just when I thought it couldn't get any wackier, suddenly the screen fades into a pixelated robot labeled Rewardobot. $3. You get access to top secret bi-weekly video updates. $10. You get a DRM-free copy of the game a month ahead of time. $12. You get a copy of the game, but you pay $2 more because you're late. $25. You get a copy of the soundtrack and a special book of secrets. $50. A poster of the world map and beta access so you can help test the game. $75. You get a page ripped straight from one of my spiral design notebooks. $125. You get a piece of concept art and I'll talk with you on Skype if you want. $200. You can design your very own in-game item. $250. I will use your audio recording in the soundtrack up to 30 seconds. $500. You create your very own what makes Dropsy so unique. While the major influence is classic adventure games, Dropsy places a strong emphasis on exploration. Instead of being spoon-fed a plot, players will discover it for themselves by observing the detailed sights and sounds of the game world. Most puzzles are solved by eureka moments rather than just figuring out some arbitrary combination of items. Perhaps the most divergent element of Dropsy was the decision to include little to no text in the game. Dialogue trees will be handled visually using a simple icon system. This has the added bonus of making the game accessible to people who speak other languages. If we had the voice acting stretch goal, talented professionals like Melanie Ehrlich and David Celesco will be contributing uh, to a sort of a funky phonetic language to go along with the icon system. Now the music in Dropsy is going to be a genre-hopping mixture of lo-fi FM synth tones from old DOS games and pretty much whatever else I feel like mixing in. Prolific composer Chris Schlarb will be working with me on the soundtrack, and if we hit a certain stretch goal, he'll be taking on the bulk of it. So, thank you for watching, and don't make Dropsy cry, okay? Was that my first Kickstarter that I failed? The first Dropsy Kickstarter, because you've had a couple Kickstarters, actually, because I know yeah, you had some Yeah, it was the one I ones. failed, right? 
It was the dropsy failed one. Yes. Yeah. The one that failed. I, I like that video still too. It was phenomenal because it showed your creative genius. And it was one of those things where I thought, oh my goodness, kindred spirit, because this is someone who's just so zany. I felt like I wanted to know you. Everything that's going to come out of my mouth is going to sound creepy. So just let me crush on you in a little no, bit. No, it's real nice because I thought you secretly hated me. So it's really nice that you, because I owe, I owe this guy some music for the game. To be clear, you're talking about the fact that I was so infatuated with you that I said, oh man, we have to get Jay to do some musical tracks as a timer mechanism for our Kickstarter game, Two Rooms and a Boom, and included that as one of our stretch goals for Two Rooms and a Boom. You know what would motivate me if I had real life friends to play a game with? And then I would be like, hey, I want to make my own tracks for the game. See, that might motivate me more to, to actually get this junk done. Well, I've heard through the grapevine that you're kind of active in church life. Is that true? Yeah, but not quite as much lately because I'm about to move over to Germany. But, you know, let's Sinner! let's rewind. Let's go. Blasphemer. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. No, I, I was just going to say because Two Rooms in a Boom is highly popular in church groups. As crazy as that sounds. hang out with. They did play like Mafia and Werewolf and that kind of stuff. That is the gateway drug into what is Two Rooms in a Boom. But you were saying you thought I hated you. Yeah, I'm not hated. It's a strong word, but I think I've... How long have I owed you this music? It's only been, realistically, uh, since the summertime, since, hey, people are asking about it now. Oh, only half a year. Okay, cool. <laughs> right. Only half a year. <laughs> Technically, it's been since the beginning of the campaign. We're like, hey, don't worry about it yet. The game's not out yet. Yeah, that's a mistake. Here's the one thing I've really learned about really cool creative people is it comes at a cost because that creativity usually is not synonymous with punctuality and deadlines. My excuse is I think lately it's been, uh, you know, we're still waiting on the old dropsy money to come in, getting some side jobs here and there and my car overheats. So I have to bring water jugs and fill, put water in there every time like and it usually overheats about twice on the way there and twice on the way back. You're really painting yourself as a daddy warbucks here, a man that has too much money that you don't know what to do with, with your car problems and your side jobs. But no, 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 that's not a really good excuse either. Man, I've had lots of free time. I could have done it. But during that other free time, I was like, I don't know, laying in bed being like, why isn't Dropsy selling million copies? <laughs> there you go. Sitting in bed wondering why Dropsy isn't selling more than it, it should be. And like it, you have to imagine this from like a very low angle with like the light from the blinds hitting me in an otherwise dark room. Right. And like the ceiling fan, you hear it creak. Are we doing storm outside or is this a hot, really humid scene? Just like a depression commercial, maybe. There's like piano music happening or something. When you're depressed, where do you want to go? Nowhere. Who do you feel like seeing? No one. Depression hurts in so many ways. Sadness. Let's get sincere. Do you have wrestles with depression? Um... I think I was a little bummed for sure, but I, cause I don't know what depression, I've not been diagnosed at least. You know what? You're in luck. I'm not sure if you know what my real identity is. You're 
a clinical psychologist. Did you know oh that? Oh my god, I didn't know that. We got surprises <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. So, let's do this. I will put some of your music in the background and let's go through these steps. You've been depressed before, yes? We've all been depressed, yeah? I think so. Have you been depressed more often than not for more than two weeks at a time? More often than not. That has been the case. I don't think recently it has been, though. I think the, the Christmas and my family and everything kind of brought me up a little bit. So you have spent more than two weeks more depressed than not. Have you noticed a change in your appetite? Not that I can remember. Have you noticed a change in your weight during those two weeks? It's hard to tell because I always fluctuate between like the same 10 pound range or something. No changes in your weight that you notice. No change in your appetite. What about changes in your sleep? Oh, God. can't yeah sleep is really bad like i uh like it it slid to me going to bed at like 4 a.m and then getting up at like 10 to noon or one and that horrible yeah i'm i'm still having trouble getting to sleep but i i pulled it back and now i'm getting to bed at like two one or two so that's a little bit better wow now here's the most important question no pressure whatsoever has this impaired your ability to function on a daily basis? As far as being able to feed yourself, being able to, well, we already covered sleep, maybe being able to bathe or socialize or carry on your daily habits. Has it impaired your ability to function? I think so. Because I just wasn't doing anything for about a month. Well, I'm looking at my DSM, and that's the Diagnostic Statistics Manual. That's the big book of all the diagnoses for disorders. You may qualify as having had a depressive episode. Oh, wow. It's a very common thing to happen. Yeah. I've been there myself. I've struggled with suicide ideation in the past. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't... Right now, it's pretty good, though. And I've been a little more productive and not sleeping as bad. So it feels like I got some momentum in the other direction. Let me give you a big compliment, though. Let me try to save this All right, let's sinking do it. ship. Yeah, let's, let's make our listeners smile because let me tell you something, sir. Uh, you are not considered a failed Kickstarter campaign, my friend. I, I know. have dumped a lot of money into Kickstarter campaigns. No exaggeration. I eventually got a Kickstarter update from one of them saying, hey, yeah, this isn't happening. I'm suffering from depression, so... Oh, wow. Sorry. And I was $300 into that campaign. Oh, no. So you, sir, are not amongst that group. You are considered a Kickstarter success, as weird as that sounds. I interrupted you and changed course where you were telling about how we met. Oh, hey, how about we jump back on that train, then? We can do that. Just... Okay, so... So you saw my Kickstarter video... Yeah, you so there was I was. It was a dark, stormy night, and I was bored, and I decided to feed my Kickstarter addiction, and up comes this hilarious Kickstarter video where it just reeked of 
creativity and joy and silliness. I remember Rewardobot just falling in love with Rewardobot right there and then. I was amazed that the Kickstarter campaign didn't succeed. So I sent you a message saying, hey man, I just want you to know that was the coolest Kickstarter video I've ever seen. I remember that. Yeah, and this was the impetus. This is the initiation between what we will call the Jay Tholen and Alan Girding relationship. Okay. Because you messaged me back and said, thanks, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And then that bled into, hey, I like your creativity so much, I would love to work with you on some things if you may be so interested. Sean and I started a documentary project on Kickstarter known as Boomer Doom which we finished principal photography, but that isn't fulfilled, so let that make you feel better yet. We haven't delivered on Boomer Doom yet, so we're that was a year before our Two Rooms in a Boom campaign. Wow. And we, I said, I'm such a huge fan of your music because you shared some of the music. Would you want to do some of the music for the documentary? And you said, yeah. And then I asked if we could give away some of your music as a pledge level. Oh, yeah. Or a stretch goal or whatever. And you said yes. And I said, well, how much money do you want for this? And what was your answer, sir? No money? You said no money, which was crazy Woo! to me. I was like, I was... what? Yeah. We had all of your music totally free to download. We called it Jay Tholen's Gig. I'm a huge fan because of the music and your art the pixel art and the game, just everything in it. It was one of those oozing creativity where I thought, man, I just want to get on that crazy train so much. And I have to admit that your music, as weird as this will probably sound to you, is the music I've listened to the most out of any music in my life. Really? Crazy considering how much of a Gorillaz fan I am. I like the Gorillaz, so that might bleed into my... I, well, your your style, you call it chiptune, yeah? That's a category? Some of it, yeah. It's what, all over the place, yeah. It is all over the place, yeah. Space Mission is my jam, man. I listen to that just on loop all the time on road trips because it just puts me in the right place. It transforms my car into, into a, a spaceship. spaceship. It really does. So on my commutes, it's just very zen. I'll zone out and listen to it. It surprises me when anyone likes my music. Not because I think it's bad. So Space Mission, I think I made in 2007, maybe. So that would have made me... I would have been 19? And that was all you, man? You were the only person who did Space Mission. Yep. And it was just me... One of the funny things about this stuff is that a lot of it is the result of just not knowing what I was doing for these early things. I was really into progressive rock a lot, and a lot of that had really ambitious composition and people who are trained musicians, and they just knew technically what they were doing, you know. I think in that time, I aspired to be that, but I didn't want to put in the work of learning actual theory or, you know, act the actual composition side of it. But I knew the technical side of putting it together. Okay, I could open up a music program or audio workstation and slap something together in there and record it all myself. But it's the actual 
meat composition like I didn't know anything about. So a lot of the stuff I listen back to right now and I think that was pretty cool. How did you even do that? Because now I know about music more some theory and harmonics and rhythm. self-educated or did you go to school yeah just just through the internet really internet school are you a college man jay Nah, i was a high school dropout wow you even dropped out of high school yeah you want to go back and tell the story of that fateful decision and everything around that because that sounds like a juicy tuesday night it's podcast story a juicy one but the to finish this real quick, I like yeah, please. A lot of it I cringe at. So, well, some of it I cringe at, but that album, like I listened to it maybe I think last, well, the year before last, uh, because I don't listen to my own old stuff a lot because it brings me embarrassment. But that stood up somehow, and I don't know how. And it and it actually, and I was just really typing rant. I was like just doing whatever sounded good, and then I would like do another track and then record stuff. And then if it didn't sound good, I'd delete it. And if I thought it sounded good, then I would keep it. And it was just this process of iterating and not actually composing. I was just recording layers and then keeping what sounded kind of neat what sounded bad so it's like this weird caveman way of slapping something together but i think it allowed me to do something unique because now i know more but it limits me in the way that i wouldn't have thought to do some of the things i did back then just because i didn't know what the heck i was doing and i was jealous of my younger self I should, like, just do some dumb stuff like that again and not think about it. Well, I'll tell you the high school thing real quick, because you got me thinking about it. I'll take you back to elementary school, actually. I'll keep this part short. I was a smart... I thought I was smart. Smart kid. Everyone wanted to cheat off my papers. I liked... The writing, they taught a lot of writing because they were doing our standardized testing here and there was a big emphasis on writing. I learned that was my first thing I really wanted to do was be a writer. And I think like in third or fourth grade, they would give us prompts that would be like nature. You know, they have the narrative writing, expository writing, and then persuasive writing. Expository, you you can't make crap up and have do fun stuff. And in persuasive, you just had to persuade someone of an argument, and that's boring too. So whenever I got those two different prompts, I would either not do my work, and that was the first time I ever didn't do any work in like fourth grade, or I would make it into some kind of fiction thing and make it funner to write because, you know, who wants to argue that about like if we should have recess or not that's so boring to write a whole paper on jay you're not doing it right you're supposed to stick to the writing form if you're not a voice actor you need to look into that but um that was also the first time like i was a bad student the darkness was interrupted by a piercing white light that grew larger until nothing else could be seen. 
As if caught in a powerful whirlwind, Danny was lifted off the ground into an upward spiral. In fourth grade, they tested me and they put me in like the gifted children thing. And I I would leave class every week and go to the this group of other nerds and smart kids. And we would like learn something. It seemed very much like a very modern... I don't know what they were teaching me. It, was, it seemed... The X-Men. You were part of Charles yes. Xavier's X-Men. To me at the time, with my outlook on things, it seemed very hippie. Yeah, they didn't make it look quite as cool in our school, but... Uh, and then, in fifth grade, I, like, kind of dive-bombed a little bit. And then that lasted all through school, I guess. I just was not doing any work. My mom would notoriously have to drive me back to school, which was quite a trek, because we were always living in rural areas. Because I would leave a book there, like... What was the reason behind it? Was it video games? Why were you dive bombing? Well, I did get diagnosed with ADHD. I don't know. I guess I would attribute it to that. But I, I, early on, I had a hard time with math, and I never got better at it. And as much as I would try, I would never learn it. By 7th or 8th grade, I started making computer games with this software called Click and Play, and then the Games Factory after it, which is its sequel, and then Multimedia Fusion after that, which is its sequel. Please tell me you still have some of those games. Oh, I have I have a few of them. A lot of them were really stupid, like ripped Dragon Ball Z sprites crashing into each other were my first few, and then I started MS Paint doing art for them. I had a real bad time at school socially, too. I didn't really have a friend group. Did you have a friend? So that community, the game-making people online, the, the click community, as they call it, K-L-I-K, were my friends basically all through middle school and high school until I think like 10th or 11th grade I got on something awful, the forum, which kind of turned me into a jerk. What? It's one of those internet forums where, you know, they just make fun of everyone. And so it gave me some confidence in a way where when I'd go to school, I would see everyone. And instead of feeling like I was low in the social hierarchy there, I felt like I, I you know, oh, that's that kind of guy. What a free and stupid. All these guys on the internet would make fun of him. So I'm part of them now, you know, helped me feel like I was a part of something. Jay, were you ever or are you currently an internet troll? I don't know if this is playful chiding or not. I will send you the link and I will read it to you as well. Read it to us. If you, if you can bring it up right here and now, go ahead and read some of your gold. So this guy put it, this up in 2004, which would have put me in the summer before 11th grade here. This is one of the community sites for that game making thing, which is still online. All right, there's a game called Solve That, and it had a soundtrack that I really liked, and he used one of the songs in his game, and I wrote in all caps, DON'T STEAL MY FAVORITE Solve That SONG NEXT TIME YOU MAKE A GAME. Ooh, that's harsh. Ooh, you troll. I called someone a F-A-G-G-O-T. This is an explicit podcast, so you can say whatever you want. You don't I have to spell out any... someone a faggot. Which, looking back on that, I I hate my younger self. The, the F word 
is a pretty strong word, but so is hate, saying you hate yourself. But today, you're not that guy. You're the nicest guy. It might be a reaction to my past self, which is why I think that way too, probably. But whatever. This guy, Andy, Assault Andy was his name. His name is Andy Sum, and he has a company called Hipster Whale now, and they made a game called Crossy Road. I don't know if you heard of it. Yeah, is that the, like, Frogger thing? Yeah, yeah, it's the big Frogger thing. And they also... What? That's huge! And and Derek Yu was also in this community. He made Splunky, if you heard of that. I'm a huge Splunky fan. Yeah, a lot of those guys I would be mean to on IRC or, like, on forum. And then, like, high school continued to be a downward for me and then i just was like whatever i'll never be a game developer which is what i wanted to do and then all these guys like andy and then Derek and some of these other guys i knew back then i would see indie games wasn't a thing when this website was popular yet you know you couldn't just make a little pixel art game and make any money on it back then and we released all this stuff for free on the in the community so i didn't think that was gonna be a possibility for me you know because with my skill set i could do old looking art i could make an old 2d looking game but everyone wants realistic you know that's what was everything was headed towards still in the early 2000s so so let's bring it back so you're in high school you're in 11th grade so this is a junior And you've become a troll and you walk into school with a newfound confidence. Yes. You knew you had a pocket full of insults for anyone who tried to cross wits with you. Yeah, and I wouldn't wouldn't say those. They, They would be said in my brain. I would generally be pretty nice still to people. It's so hard for me to imagine the creator of Dropsy and the man I know as Jay Tholen is anything but this most affable, loving character. In 12th grade, I my GPA was like 1.2, and they put me on a program where I could repeat 12th grade and barely get a diploma. I would have graduated with like a, whatever the minimum is, a two point something. I went through the second year and I got a job at Winn-Dixie, but they found out I was eight. Winn-Dixie is a grocery store. I don't know if everyone has those. No, we don't all have those, but I have been to a Winn-Dixie. <laughs> when I was 18, they put me on a 36-hour shift because they were allowed to legally do that, I guess. Other, and I asked, could I get this reduced? Because I go to actual high school still. They're like, uh, yeah, a little bit. And so they cut some of my hours, but it was killing me. Like, I couldn't do school and then go to Winn-Dixie and cut fruit. I was just like, all right, I'm going to dump this school crap. And honestly, I should have just not redone the year because when I got my GED, I got, which is general education diploma. I don't know how universal that acronym is for it. I think it's universal in America. Okay. I think. It's a, it's just the thing you get if you drop out basically. So you did get it? Yeah, I got that uh, the year after high school and I got a really high GPA on that. And it just says West Area high school it doesn't say general education on it which is fine so maybe someone would be fooled (laughs) i'd always look down on anyone who would drop out of school most of my high school so that probably kept 
me from doing it. I would turn new leaves an awful lot. I would have those times where I would cry and my dad and mom would talk to me and give me a pat on the back and be like, all right, well, I'm going to change it. I'm going to do good now. And then I'll, I got a new plan and I'll really try. And then that would last for like two weeks or a month. And then I would just suck again. And I think that probably happened three times a year in my school since the sixth grade. And it never got much better, so... So no college for Jay Tholen then, yeah? No college. I'm sure I could have if I looked into it, but the things I wanted to do just looked really far off. And the alternatives that people were telling me I should go for... Because I have a lot, had a lot of people just giving me very practical advice, and none of it was anything close to what I had dreamed of doing. And I didn't want to have something consume my life if it was uh, something I was tepid about or just didn't really care about. So I just worked telemarketing jobs after that. Telemarketing jobs? They paid okay. I had one that paid $13 an hour, which is not bad. Quick bit. Sell me something that you used to sell. Uh, I'll, well, you do the phone ringing and I'll pick it up. You're going to give me really bad flashbacks. Hold on a second. No problem. Um, I'm trying to make you as uncomfortable as okay. possible. This is my goal. Right. I, I want you to hate me by the end of this. All right, go on. Hello? Hello, uh, Mr. Gerning. That, y- yes? Hey there, this is Jay Tholen. I am uh, calling on behalf of the Florida State Troopers, Local 9000, and we were just calling people in your area this afternoon. Am I in trouble? No, sir, you're not in trouble. Uh, We just wanted to call all the people in the area and let them know that uh, we got our fall fun drive going on right now. And uh, we wanted to let you know... Is this phone solicitation? No, sir, this is not... Uh, solicitation 100% of the proceeds go directly to the organization my understanding of solicitation is asking for money are you asking for money right now sir this does go to the uh, families of fallen officers just answer the damn question do you want money or not sir as well as training programs uh, (laughs) to the training programs (laughs) anyway (laughs) you die and go kill yourself and please take me off your list click (laughs) yeah (laughs) that organization they went by different names every year about i mean was it legit go the money going to the state troopers or a quarter of one percent went to some fund that goes to the families of fallen officers what And when I mentioned training programs, that's where 90-something percent of it goes. And that means it goes back to us. Wow. Yeah, I looked it up later on, and I posted it online on some consumer watch website. And like I always uh, started doing for some reason, just used my name, Jay Tholen, to post everywhere about this company while I was working at it. So one day, one of our bosses uh, aptly named Shakes, uh, because that's something he did a lot for some reason. <laughs> he, there was a lot of hard drugs happening at this place. He pulled me into the office. He said, hey man, you, you've been on the internet? Oh yeah, and I thought he looked up my name and found like my games or my music or something. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I do a lot of stuff. And he's like... And you've been posting stuff about the IUPA on there? It was the International Union of Police Associations. 
Um, yeah. Busted. And it dawned on me, and he's like, All right, man, well, uh, the boss isn't here right now. But, uh, we're gonna get him to come on down here at nine. Can you stick around afterwards and talk to him? We want you to keep your job. Well, can you tell me about how a quarter of 1% only goes to, like, the families and stuff? And he's like, Man, dude, 100% goes to the organization. And I'm like, I know that's what we're supposed to say, but I looked this up on the internet. <laughs> and then he wanted me to come back. And at 8.45, they had everyone get off. It was deserted at 9. And I'm like, oh my god, what is this? So I just left and I never came back <laughs> ever again. You ran out as he was screwing on the silencer of his gun. What a cool adventure. How did this eventually lead into Dropsy? During one of my telemarketing jobs, I gave up making games still at that point because no indie games were coming out yet and this was late 2007 early 2008 i made a choose your own adventure game on the forum which meant i would post a panel in ms paint i would put together a little dropsy panel mostly i would copy and paste his sprite you know do other random art around it and then people in the forum would be like go left or hug that guy or whatever and you know it, it developed into a story on the message board it looked like an old adventure game so a lot of people were like hey you should make a video game out of this actually dropsy sprite was from an old old game he was like a clown boss and a zombie platformer somewhere on there and i always liked him and his design and i was like maybe i'll make him into a good guy so yeah i made that little adventure with him and a lot of that stuff face painting the dog was came from the suggestions of the guys on the forum or hugging everything was their suggestion too and so a lot of dropsy's personality is almost crowdsourced in a weird way and this led into making the adventure game yes 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 I wrote the story for the game. And then in 2011, I put up that very, very, very first Kickstarter for $225. That succeeded and started working on the game. The difficulty of making this is beyond the scope of what the software is built to handle. And you could make it in the software, but you'd have to do so many workarounds to just kick it into submission and make it do what you want it to do. And then that made me really sad. And I almost hung it up and almost was like, eh, I'll give you guys your money back if you want it. This leads into a second Kickstarter. Yeah, the 2013 Kickstarter. And you make the world's best Kickstarter video ever. Yes. But without success. Yes, without success. In the meantime, I was working on the game still a little bit when I was not laying down in bed being sad. I went on the Thanksgiving trip with my family and then I got this weird burst of inspiration and I'm like, I'm doing this again. So this led into the second Kickstarter then in which you eventually weren't alone. Oh yeah, Devolver sent me a message. I had to Google the email address because I was not sure if this was legit. 
Because I knew I heard of them from Hotline Miami and some other games. Uh, I wasted no time in emailing them back for our Skype meeting, and they really, without seeing much of anything about the game, just gave us a deal, publishing deal on it, which is really, really cool of them, because honestly, that was a real dumb decision. On their part, you're saying? Yeah, in retrospect, right now it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't, because maybe they knew I would eventually come through with it. I didn't have a very solid plan going on. I just knew I really wanted to make this game and I was going to make the freaking game. Like it was my shot to do something. So Devolver took the chance and they helped me out over the subsequent years when I had run out of the Kickstarter money. I didn't plan on keeping any of that Kickstarter money for me. Most of it went to a programmer or music or some extra animation. And I think I had 2000 or something for me for the next year and a half. A year after the Kickstarter, it kind of was floundering a bit. Devolver were sending me emails like, hey, man, how's it going? Can you send us anything? And I'm like, oh, not yet. And the beta was due in the next May. And I had nothing other than a lot of art and music. Then, from that aforementioned community that I I brought up a few times, the Click community, some guys who I had admired, actually, when I was a young tyke, they were like, hey, man, we have a little studio. It's like two or three dudes, and we still make games. If you ever need any help, just hit us up. We'd like to be a part of Dropsy. You know what? You know, if you can help me, I I had saw that they had an adventure game engine going in Unity, which could port to everything well. And I was already using it with the last dude. So I was like, okay. And those dudes just got on it and like saved my butt. Jesse Bull, our character artist, he became the project manager and he really is good at making me do stuff. I think I need that kind of person (laughs) to make me do stuff. And it was a pretty decent team dynamic. We had real stressful times, especially leading up to, like, PAX. Uh, it was pretty cool. And we basically made the whole game in a year, other than all the art I had already done, stockpiled and stuff. Released it this past September, and it got pretty good reviews. I think the story of Dropsy is a beautiful story in twofold. In one way, the actual game is beautiful, because it's a tragic story of a clown that has nothing but love to share who brings people together with hugs. That's an amazing example of humanism right there, which I'm a big fan of. Uh But Dropsy is also an amazing story in how it was created. It started as a community project where people were being brought together with the community wanting it to be an actual adventure game, and you take on this task, and it's daunting, and you're in the trenches trying to do it on your own, but community actually reached out and helped you finish it and helped you be the best version of the Dropsy creator that you could be. I think the stories really parallel themselves in a way. Yeah. Because the Dropsy's all about bringing people together. And in a way, you brought so many people together through your actions and through your story. It's pretty romantic, man. Thank you. It's, it's just crazy to think, be on the other side of 
releasing a game. It's considered a beautiful game. I'm going to put it up there with Day of the Tentacle. Ah, man. That's high praise there. Oh, yeah. Because it's so unique and stylistic, it's it's a piece of art, man. And you did most of that art. So that's that's amazing because from... The first five minutes of this game, I can't explain this enough, how immersive it is and horrific but hopeful. It's an emotional journey. Yeah, I agree. Hey, it has been an amazing adventure of getting to know Jay Tholen, having our first conversation, talking about Dropsy, talking about Kickstarter, talking about a whole bunch of things. But if people want to know more about Jay Tholen on their own, how can they contact you? You on the tweet? You on the fub? Yep. You can search Facebook for Jay Tholen and add me. There's an artist page, so you might get that, but just find the me page. You can go on Twitter at Jay Tholen or at Dropsy the Clown. I kind of randomly post in both of them without discretions. JayTholen.net. So JayTholen.net to get your fan on with Jay Tholen. I'm a fan, and hopefully the listeners have a little bit more appreciation of Jay Tholen if they didn't have it already. I should pitch myself as well, I guess. Yeah, Alan Gerding, I'm lonely on Facebook, so I'll accept any friend requests that anyone sends me. Alan, A-L-A-N, Gerding, G-E-R, ding, D-I-N-G. I'm on the Twitter as well, which is at Alan Gerding. This has been the Tuesday Night Podcast. That was Jay Tholen. And this episode is... Finished. That's great! <laughs>